everybody. Welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm David, and I'm joined tonight by Andrew. What's up, everybody? And Marisha. Hello. I probably should have asked you this before we started recording, Andrew, but do I sound all right? Am I close enough to my mic? Yeah, yeah, everything sounds good. Dope, dope. So we're going to talk tonight about some of the recent delays that have come up because of the writers and actors strike that is still ongoing at time of recording, unfortunately. And we're going to talk about Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon trailer. And we're going to talk about the Orville seasons two and three, because a few months ago, (laughs) we talked about season one and said, we'll get to season two and three next time. And then we never got around to it because new stuff kept happening and and stuff kept coming up for us to, to talk about. So now tonight, we finally have an opportunity to fit that into our schedule. That's really exciting. I've been looking forward to talk about that. I got to go find all my old notes that I made when I watched seasons two and three of the Orville like three months ago. Right. Which is always uh, But first of all, the delays. So, Andrew, do you happen to have a, like a list in front of you or something like that of all the delays? I can look one up. I just thought I thought, well, I, I thought you said you did. It looks like the ones that I see mentioned, kind of the notable ones. Of course, the big one. I think the only one that really is particularly newsworthy is the fact that they moved Dune Part 2. Dune Part 2 has been pushed from November 3rd to March 15th. Now, we've got others. I mean, it looks like uh, Aquaman 2 got pushed, but maybe just a little closer to the end of the year instead of into 2024, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I'm assuming means they just are trying to keep from... I don't think that Aquaman 2, despite the fact that they're superhero movies, I don't think Aquaman 2 and the Marvels are, like, competing, per se. But, like, having two superhero movies in the theater at the same time, I can see that hurting one of the two, or both. So, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the original date on Aquaman was, but they've they've pushed that one, pushed a couple others. Uh, oh, uh, Wonka would be the other big one, was pushed. But I'm not seeing a date. Okay, Wonka has been pushed to December 15th. Those weren't pushed back significantly. Dune Part 2 is moving into the spot that was originally held for Godzilla vs. Kong, the new empire. And Godzilla vs. Kong was pushed forward a month into April. Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim has been pushed to December 2024. Which is actually the sec? I believe I could be wrong. I think that's actually the second push for that one. I think they actually had one push before the strike, and then now they've had to push it again. So we're we're over a year out from from getting to see War of the Rohirrim, which is disappointing. That for me, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's not as big. I won't say it's as big as Dune, but it's it's close. But so far, those seem to be the big things that have moved, and I'm just... Yeah, I mean, obviously the one that stands out to us the most is Dune. We all really loved the first one, and I know we were all looking forward to this, but I'm not super upset about it. I mean, I'm, I'm okay waiting a little bit longer for that. If it gets delayed again, then that'll... Ooh, that'll really suck. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that what they did, of course, you know, we we never wanted to see this happen. Like, you know, I'm all for supporting the actors and the writers. I, I've seen the things they're asking for, and they're mostly reasonable. Like, 
you know, some of those things are beyond reasonable expectations. But we just came out of a time period where everything was getting pushed and not just months, years. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. hard to see it happening again because it really felt like we had just now kind of hit a stride again with theater releases. So yeah. Barbenheimer I'm, rejuvenated yeah. the, 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 uh, the cinematic uh, market right. and, and it so, is now being damaged again. And so I'm hoping that the fact that they're only pushing things a few months is mostly just spacing. I, I think that it's potentially beneficial to some of these other movies as far as giving them room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of what happened back when, like, Guardians was out. Like, a whole bunch of stuff was out. It was like they were all hurting each other. Yeah. Um, like, I don't even think... Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was possible for for uh, what was the, the Tom, last Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible. I don't yeah. even know if it was possible for Mission Impossible to make its money back after what they spent on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming the way they did that, because I think they filmed two movies basically at the same time, right? A part one and a part two. Yeah, they... Yeah. So I'm assuming some of that budget will get eaten up. I'm assuming the second one won't cost as much, but I guess we'll see. But, you know, it lost money. There were several in there that lost money that probably shouldn't have because they were just kind of stepping all over each other. You know, speaking of movies that lost money, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Speaking of movies that lost money, you know what we didn't even put on the topic list? What's Blue that? Beetle came out. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about, about that. I hadn't gotten to see it, but we need no, to me either. talk a little bit the, about it. The entire world collectively went, oh, that was this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody went to see it. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Like, I mean, I like the actor and everything, like, but it just... I don't know. I've heard nothing but mostly good things about it. Yeah, I mean, I do want to see it. Uh, but it just felt, trailer-wise, it just felt like generic superhero movie. It, it felt, just, and I've been, I've heard it's like it's generic superhero movie. So, it, it, but it's good. It's fine. Right. Uh, well, I've, my, I mean, I think the biggest problem is that people just like they don't know if they're supposed to care because we've been told James Gunn said the words that this is not. The first DCU movie, but it is in the DCU. What the hell does that mean? You know, and honestly, I feel like I feel like the biggest mistake, and I probably said this before, the biggest mistake that DC's making right now is not just going, okay, this is the dividing line. Everything up to this point doesn't matter. And here's a very clear description of how we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. Not, oh, we're going to have two Batman timelines and this may or may not be canon. We don't know if we're keeping this actor or not. Just get rid of... Yeah, I like some of the actors, but at this point, get rid of all the actors, make a clear dividing line, and just say, this is the new DCU. Yeah, Like, it's it's convoluted, and I, I think people just don't know what they're as far as the connected story, I don't think people know what they're watching anymore. Yeah, I think that's true. No, I don't think freaking... I'm convinced at this point that they don't even know. Because if they knew, I can't think of a reason not to tell us. I would. So I, don't right. th- I think they don't know. Um, but Blue Beetle, it is sad to see any movie not make its money back. Uh, but I, th- I think I heard that it's actually doing better than they expected. They expected it. They were projecting it to make about twenty million dollars, and it made um, like thirty-five. Okay. Uh, so 
that's better than they expected. Yeah. Uh, the, with the opening weekend. Now we're going into its second weekend. Maybe word of mouth will boost it up, but probably not. It was the first movie to beat Barbie since Barbie came out, but it took Barbie like seven weeks to to to, to fall off from the number one spot. So right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Barbie Barbie really stuck that. I mean, it's one of those things. It, it's kind of funny because I kind of feel like it's one of those times like the cinema like like the number of people that buy tickets to go see a movie isn't always predicated on how good the movie is. It's yeah. kind of funny. Like Titanic, one of the biggest movies of all time. It's an okay movie. It's mm-hmm. not near what people acted like at the time. In fact, now I don't even know. I mean, people probably wouldn't even give it a second thought if you put it out today. So that one, like Avatar, like I frankly don't get the whole Avatar thing. I don't get it. I've never gotten it. My fiance is all about Avatar. When we go to Disney, she's like, we got to go to Animal Kingdom. It's been all day in in the Avatar land. I'm like, freaking why? I don't (laughs) understand the appeal. At but, all, you know, no, and the but, thing is, it's it's probably a good movie, but it's it's one of those things that's like I don't know who it appeals to, but it's I know it was a big spectacle, but it was cool, and it and people went to see it because it just was cool to look out on the screen, and and that happens sometimes, and it's Barbie's the same way. I mean, Barbie it broke a billion dollars, right? Uh, yeah, by now I, I think it has. Yeah, I mean. That number's growing all the time because let's face it, a billion dollars isn't what it used to be. But that still, still puts still, it in really elite company. It's got to be at this point one of the highest-grossing movies ever. Like, let me see. I want. I'm curious. What is the highest-grossing movie of all time right now? Some there's um, a couple that have broke the two billion dollar mark. Yeah, Avengers and Game Avatar, both Avatars. How did both Avatar? I got two thousand nine's Avatar at almost three billion. Wow, 2009's Avatar is almost three billion. How did the second Avatar? So uh, to answer the question, though, fifty-one movies have made over a billion dollars. Barbie's now at number twenty, and I would I would wager I would wager money without pulling the list up that half of those occurred in the last 10 years because a billion dollars doesn't, you know, a billion dollars has been depreciated pretty severely. Uh, like seven of the top 10 happened in the last 10 years, but it's just crazy. Like Barbie's now right up there. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's cool for like every time you think that the ceiling has been reached, it's cool when something kind of shatters it. Not that I'm overly invested in how much money Barbie makes, or how much money these people in suits at Mattel are going to make. It's just, it is fascinating to watch mm-hmm. what movies will actually make over a billion dollars. Because it, it does give you a little bit of an insight into into the the cultural consciousness, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, for all the hate that the movie got, The Lion King made $1.6 billion. Yeah. How did, what, this is so weird. Some of these are so weird. Like, How's Joe? It's hilarious. Out of, in the last ten years, you know what the highest grossing DC movie is? It's Joker. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? Man, that's fascinating. This this <laughs> is a rabbit hole we can go down. Yeah, no, that's this is a wow. The Phantom long. Menace is still on that list. Uh huh. That may be the oldest movie on that list. Well, no, and when you when you adjust when you adjust some of the Star Wars when you adjust the fan the Phantom Menace. For inflation, it jumps up real close to the top. 
Wow, that's interesting. I mean, it's pretty much at this list I'm looking on on Wikipedia. It is the only movie made before 2000 on the list. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and maybe now, the only in, one before 2010. But that's what I'm saying. That's the funny thing. If you, inju- if you adjust everything for inflation, mm-hmm. this top 50 list changes. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of the movies on this list were made within the last, like, three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and that's, that, that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. It's like everybody screaming about cinema's dead. And it's like, no, wait a minute. There are movies making a lot of money. Yeah. That's like, it's, that's like, but people keep saying about the MCU. It's so annoying. Literally ever since Endgame, it has been a up and down of like, the MCU is dead. And then it's like a new one, com- new thing comes out that's good. And goes, the MCU is back. That is the, that is the title of every screen rant, right. crappy website article. Every time a decent movie from the MCU comes out, it's like the MCU is back. And then a new one comes out and it's not as good. And it's like the MCU is dead it's time to kill it right well that was one of the that was one of the thing when kind of that certain group of fans when in youtubers specifically when endgame like after endgame released they went okay that was the end everything after this is gonna suck and so now they've like they keep doubling down Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't matter how good something is. Like in order for them to be right, they have to keep insisting that everything after it sucks. It's the same thing that happened with uh, with Star Wars, where Disney bought Star Wars. Well, it's all going to suck now, and so it's like yeah. even really good things from Di- from from Star- from Lucasfilm under the Disney banner, and they're going, "Nope, it sucks. It's made by Disney." It's like, right, man. I think Obi Wan is really good. Y'all are just mean. That's my opinion. <laughs> Just for example, the piggyback of what you're saying, of like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. even if they make something good, you know, like Guardians was made, and that you, nobody in their right mind can tell me Guardians 3 was not a great movie. Mm-hmm. So it now, is. what do they say instead? They say, oh, well, um, I mean, it was re- it wasn't really an MCU. It was a James Gunn movie, so it barely even counts. That's not that. It's like no, that is intrinsically tied to the MCU. You were just looking for an excuse. It's like you said, they're they looking for whatever excuse they can to be right yeah. about what they about what they say. And I, I know this one really rubs people the wrong way, but number thirty one on that list is Captain Marvel. Hmm. Really? Yeah, but it was it had the benefit of coming out between Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, that's true. That's it true. was perfectly placed to make a whole lot of money. Yeah, we thought it was going to matter. <laughs> right? <laughs> Didn't. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's no. it's interesting looking at the numbers because mm-hmm. you realizing how many of these have have occurred since COVID ended, mm-hmm. and realizing no, like things that people want to go see, they do are still making money a lot, mm-hmm. like of a lot money. of money. Like I mean, these are the billion dollar films. This isn't even talking about the things that are making like you know like Guardians Three that mm-hmm. made like almost nine hundred million. If you keep putting out stuff that nobody that nobody wants, nobody will go see it. Unfortunately, that's the lesson the studios need to learn, but I don't know what they're... I don't know. So far, they keep doubling down. They've continued to double down. Yeah. I have no idea what they think. Speaking of an, an, another movie that came out that probably uh, that didn't make any money and probably won't and will probably result in the studios learning the wrong lesson is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Which I don't think we've talked about that on the show. The new, the new one that, that just came out. I don't think we've had a chance to actually talk about that um, on this show. 
the fact that it was coming out, but what do you guys think of like the trailers and stuff? Do you guys think that movie looked any good? Were you interested in seeing it? My kids are very interested in seeing it. I think they're the target demographic. I'll say as a huge Ninja Turtles fan, I was interested in seeing it for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought that it looked really, really funny and, and really good. Uh, at first, I was like, I don't know about this. But then the more trailers that came out for it, I was like, no, I'm kind of vibing with this. I kind of like this. So Yeah, it was one of those things that when I heard who was involved, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. But it, the trailers looked fun. Like, it, it reminded me more of, like, the Ninja Turtles I grew up with than some of the stuff they've done lately. I can, I can, which, makes, um, which makes sense with the people that are making it, because they're roughly my age. And I can understand that. And it, it didn't look quite my vibe for a couple of reasons, but I did want the movie to make money, because I'd love to see more Ninja Turtles stuff. And, and we yeah. haven't been starved of Ninja Turtles content. They make a new movie every every few years. Uh, it feels like our new TV show or something, but mm-hmm. I do hope I get a chance to see that soon. Uh, I might swing to the theaters this weekend and see either that or Blue Beetle. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So the delays, that's what we were talking about originally, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are, there are a couple thoughts? of movies that didn't get delayed. Well, and I think there's a big one that's going to benefit. The Marvels? The Marvels. Mm. Yeah. The Marvels didn't get, in, get didn't get delayed. Wonka didn't get delayed. No, Wonka. I thought Wonka did. Wonka did. Oh, you're right. You're right. He got de- delayed till December, but it's still coming out this year. Right. And another, I don't know. Who, who's going to go see that movie? Not I. It, as talented. No, but I, mean, I think this puts us in a situation where the Marvels has the potential now to be the biggest movie for the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. For sure. You know what else? I mean, that or well, so, Aquaman's still coming out in that's December. That's true. Huh? Yeah, yeah, some. I, I mean, the, with DC's track record, though, I don't know if DC a DC movie can outperform mm. a Marvel movie right now. I think no. Marvel still. I think I think Guardians proves that Marvel still got better pulling power. But honestly, I, one of the things that happens is Dune was basically Dune was dropping on the third, and the Marvels on the tenth. Yeah, Mar the Marvels was going to have to go toe to toe with Dune, which was going to stay on top for at least four or five weeks. And yeah, now, I did see Marvel's now also is getting now they're getting they, all of Dune's IMAX screens. Right. That's the that's the other thing I was going to mention is the Marvel's dropped into that spot late and all the theaters went, look, like the 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 IMAX screens are dedicated to Dune. Like it makes sense. We've already made a deal. Like that's what we're doing. Well, now that's not there. So yeah. So now IMAX, they can actually, Marvel can get some IMAX screens yeah. as well, which is going to be big. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose, I'd rather see Dune than the Marvels, especially yeah. on an IMAX screen. No, I mean, but, Dune, um, was, Dune was supposed to be, I mean, Dune was Dune was the movie of the year. I mean, I know people loved Oppenheimer, I, and I'm still going to see it, and all the people that love Barbie. I, I don't see, I didn't see any way that Dune wasn't the movie of the year, but... Now it's not till 2024, so who knows? Yeah. Movie of the year in terms of money or just in terms of cultural relevance I think and ter- being good? I think in terms of being good, probably awards. Money yeah, was going to be a hard ask because of just Barbie's a, one of those, like we were talking about, it's just kind lightning of... Lightning in a bottle. Yeah, it's lightning in a bottle. And I, it's hard to recreate that. It, it happens sometimes and there's not really any explaining it other than it's just this this moment it's perfect moment where this is what everybody wanted Mm -hmm. and i think barbie was perfect it was just kind of a a a movie that would just 
where people just wanted something fun. It's funny you mentioned awards, and I saw like a tweet the other day about how like the awards for best actor are going to come down to like Killian Murphy and Ryan Gosling because those are the only two movies that came out this year apparently, <laughs> and and Chris Pratt uh, for 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 uh, uh, Star Lord because there are a lack of movies. I think we're going to see at the award ceremony. It's going to be one. Either we're going to see more movies that we have never heard of that like yeah. were like small indie movies or it's going to be more like actual um big movies that are getting nominated for awards because typically it's somewhere in the middle like it's you know last year we talked about how it's like peanut butter falcon was nominated for a lot of awards and like licorice pizza and and that's those aren't like to cinephiles those are big movies but to the cultural to yeah. the culture at large i'd never heard not... of peanut butter falcon until it popped up on voodoo i love that movie right. like i watched i rented it watched it and immediately bought it I've heard it's an incredible movie. I, I would love to to watch it, but it wasn't like a. I don't know if you call it a blockbuster because like, I don't know if I'd call. Would you call Oppenheimer a blockbuster? I don't think. I mean, I don't think it fits the traditional definition of a summer blockbuster. Let's say most. I guess I put it like this: a good way to measure cultural relevance, sometimes, most of the time, is the money that it makes at a theater and. Most of the time at award shows, it is like, that is not exactly what gets represented, which I think is fine. I'm not saying that that needs to be the case. I don't yeah. think that Top Gun Maverick, I don't think Tom Cruise should should have been nominated for Best Actor or whatever. That's not right. what I'm saying. I'm just mean that it's going to be interesting this award season where there's just straight up not as many movies that came out this year because of the strikes. Yeah. And so the awards, well, it's going to be more relegated to like the bigger stuff that still was able to come out. Yeah. And a lot of like the the actors awards. I mean, I th I think that a lot of times your stuff for like set design, sound design, those go to the, like those go to people who really really earned it, like big important things. You know, but sometimes an actor that doesn't necessarily deserve an award wins an award, or a movie gets best picture and nobody went to watch it. And I think people forget sometimes that like the Academy Awards is literally just the Academy awarding their peers for what they've done. Um, you know, I still care more about the Academy Awards than I care about the Grammys. Yeah. The Grammys, I've, I've lost all respect for the Grammys, dude. When Igor, from I, now I know y'all probably don't give a crap, and I don't even know if y'all know who Tyler the Creator is, but when Tyler the Creator lost, I was like, screw it. This is ridiculous. This is, this is, this is, this is nothing but ass-kissing the show i i am never watching the grammys again the oscars still have more respect from me which i don't i don't think grammys or oscars care whether or not a a, a low-level podcaster respects their shows but i'm just saying i care more about the oscars and the grammys for example but you're right uh you have to remember it's the academy awarding their peers i think that that's that's, that's I, I go back and forth on whether that has more merit than a fan show because the fans are what matters but also like I'm kind of rambling now, but it's like when when I watch something like the the Nickelodeon Choice Awards, it's like the people who voted on that did not watch every movie that came out this year, so their opinion doesn't matter. Right. But that makes me a hypocrite because we did Parsec Awards. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and kind of the way I looked at the awards because we go, you know, the dragon, the they have the Dragon Awards every year at Dragon Con, and and then kind of got getting into the the Saturn Awards and some of that. And our goal with the Parsec Awards was actually to, like, kind of 
say, hey, like, this was really good science fiction. Did you watch it? Like, you, maybe you should. Yeah. Uh, more than, it's why, I mean, we weren't, like, giving awards, really. Is uh, Yeah, we didn't mail anybody <laughs> anything. So it was <laughs> It was kind of, my, my goal was to kind of highlight good fantasy and sci-fi. Yeah, and, and I actually like our Parsec Awards a lot. Because we were very clear of just being, like, this is just the stuff that we watched that we thought was really good and we wanted to highlight. We weren't trying to, like, be legitimate, like, like saying that we have any right to determine what is the best of something. Right. I, 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 I like the part. I like what we did with the Parsec well, Awards. Well, there was that, sure. and then I tried to use and the part of the Parsec Awards that didn't really work, and if I bring it back, will be done totally different, was the nomination process. To me, the nomination process was the fun part where everybody had a chance to say, hey, I really loved this thing. Like, I'm nominating it. I think you should check it out. That but, was the best part. I'm positive that there are things that I nominated that there's that there's nobody else nominated. I, I would bet money that nobody else nominated Attack on Titan Season 4 Part 1 for Best Animated Show. Yeah, no, I mean... You <laughs> but know, I was, I'm, but I'm, you're right. I was trying to be like, hey, everybody... You would like this. Watch mm-hmm. Attack on Titan. We should let, like let's pretend like we're the Academy and watch all the things. Right. Let's watch everything. Let's get a, let's get a package mm-hmm. with every movie mm-hmm. that came out that year. We'll that get a qualify. We'll get a group Voodoo account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, don't want to do all that. <laughs> I'll be. I'd rather be a hypocrite than do all that. We have rambled. Uh, all over the place here. We have. So I'm going to. I've got to, one more thing to using... ramble on before we go. I'm sorry. What? I said I've got one more thing to ramble on before we go back on on our previously scheduled. Oh yes, discussions. please, please, please feel free. Okay, speaking of things that nobody asked for, Wonka. We've we've established no one asked for Wonka, and we don't know who's going to go see it. Did they really make a song a song of songbirds and snakes? Ballad of Songbirds yeah. and Snakes movie. That's what it is. Ballad of Song- Songs yeah. and Snake Birds. But why? <laughs> no one liked the book. Yeah, Snake Birds would be terrifying. Snake Birds would be terrifying, but <laughs> fairly. Oh, that's cool. On I'm brand. Write that down. Yeah, so I, I'm just not all that familiar with that stuff, and it's it's a I, Hunger I read, Games prequel. I, I know, I know. I read the books, or I didn't read any of the books, and. When I saw the first Hunger Games movie, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I went with you, didn't know anything about it, didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Came out of it and went, you know, this is actually, like, pretty cool sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, when they decided to, like, stretch those last two movies out, I was like, why Why are we watching this? <laughs> and so, I mean, at that, at that point, like... Being and having not read the books, like I don't care to see any more of it, and I, I kind of wonder. Even what... people who liked the books didn't like the book. Yeah, this uh, so I'm, I'm low key a big Hunger Games fan. Yeah, I me think too. I agree with you. Like stretching those last two movies, that was horrible. And yeah. if they hadn't done that, it would have gone down as low key one of the best trilogies. Yeah, like probably ever of just mm-hmm. like three really solid movies. Yeah. Because the first Hunger Games and Catching Fire... Catching Fire is phenomenal. I mm-hmm. love that movie. Yeah. And I read the books. After I saw the movies, I read the books. And I read 
Ballad of Som- Songbirds, Songbirds and Snakes, or Snake Birds and Songs. <laughs> and it is it is awful. It is yeah. like like Marisha just said, people who like the Hunger Games books hate that book. It's a bad book. It is garbage. <laughs> like why and, who wants uh, to read a prequel where the most unlikable character in the entire series is the protagonist? Yeah. Oh, did they do that thing? They try yes. to turn it around and make your villain, the original villain, a sympathetic villain. Like Maleficent. Yeah. Oh wow. It's, it's 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 about how President Snow. It's a prequel about President Snow. Is he just misunderstood? He's misunderstood. Or did he just like yeah. turn bad at some point? Well, he turned bad at some. He has a sympathetic past. Okay. He has a sympathetic past, and he's 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 not misunderstood, but he just turned. Nope. He just turned evil somewhere along the way. Uh, after all these bad things that happened to him, but I don't care. Who? Ca- no one cared about like President Snow well, and his backstory. No, no one like, gave a single crap. Like you became a terrible person. Okay, like you know you, but you like specifically are targeting individual teenagers to take your wreak your vengeance for your bad childhood on them like that's a whole another kind of dark that's not even just like you kill people it's anyway speaking i was just like i was looking at the like and on the list of things that no one asked for yeah Yeah. i just thought i'd throw that Uh, out there and peter dinklage is in that movie and he needs to fire his agent because he has been just in some awful stuff lately and he he was in infinity war and then he was gonna be in love and thunder but his scene got cut oh and now he is just in garbage all the time and he's i'll be an incredible actor he is an incredible actor and i'm not sure he didn't go out and run his mouth too much he he upset a lot of people with it with his disney with his snow white comments yes is that what you're referring to yeah i understand that i also i lost a lot of respect for him Whenever he was defending the Game of Thrones finale, and I was like, "Dude, stop!" Like he <laughs> he said something along the lines of, "Literally, it was on that same Snow White podcast." He said, "Um, he said like people were just mad that the pretty white people didn't get a happy ending." I was like, "Shut the f- what? No, I don't like it because it's bad writing, Peter." Yeah. So yeah, and he's that just, and the Snow White really thing that was just like. Now I think I said on Twitter like I understood his point he was trying to make of. Disney patting themselves on the back for hiring a non-white person to be Snow White while they were still doing something that was offensive to what seems to me now. And look, I'm I'm obvious. I'm not a dwarf. I don't know. But that seems to me the consensus is that nobody actually cared. Yeah, yeah I think. And, you know, there aren't that many opportunities for like, actors who were. I'm sorry. You know, I said there just aren't that many opportunities for actors who are four foot six. You know. Yeah. And so there would have like, been. A yeah, bunch I think of well, the I've heard a number of people from that community say, "Hey, thanks for pulling the ladder up behind you." Right. Exactly. I so mean, because like, he did. You know, he was a, he was a Narnia dwarf. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's done the. Anyway, and I mean the thing yeah, is, he I might. Think, be, I don't think he complained when he got that check in the mail. Right. No. Peter Dinklage might be the nicest guy in the world. I don't know him. Don't know. Don't know that much about him. He's in one of my favorite indie movies of all time, The Knights of Badassdom. But I kind of feel like the things that I keep seeing that come out from him in interviews is that his character from Elf might be how he is in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's he was in a couple like small movies that I watched recently because I had like um like a 
I got like a seven day free trial to Apple TV because there was something I wanted to watch, mm-hmm. and I I watched it, and they there were a bunch of Peter Dinklage movies on there, so I watched them, and like most of them are really bad. Like he's in some just bad movies. He really needs to freaking fire his agent <laughs> or something. Like he needs to do something different. Yeah, Cyrano was. That's how really I feel about Tom Holland as yes, well. Tom I forgot Holland, about same that thing. One. Did you see it, Cyrano? Uh-huh. I watched it with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really oh, was enjoyed that good? it. I think you would enjoy it. It's yeah, very musically, that's... but it's it's a good movie. Interesting. I'll I'll see if I can if I can check it out. I'm sorry if I ever interrupt you, Marisha. I feel like I'm doing that. You're um I I think on the podcast end because I'm gonna listen to this back. You always sound fine, but on my end, you're always just a little bit quiet. Oh, sorry. And so I'm I, no, I'll be louder. I, I'm just I'm sorry for interrupting you and stuff like that. I really don't mean to. <laughs> no worries. Uh, sometimes I just don't hear that you're speaking turn my volume up but i think but sometimes i think i, I think there's just high. a yeah like a really slight delay too can can cause that no worries Do you remember um, the night we tried to record an episode and there was like a 30 second delay oh yeah that was real bad <laughs> we should have kept that one going. i probably <laughs> still have the file but we only made it about 10 minutes in until i was like no more no more <laughs> this is ridiculous because it's like someone would respond uh, you had to wait yeah yeah it was really bad so let's jump into talking about Rebel Moon, so that way we don't run out of time on our yeah, show. Yeah, we'll make Rebel Moon pretty quick because um, I'm I'm more interested in in uh, a few um, things to say. Yeah, what have you got to All say right, about so, it? Yeah, just to to kind of preface this, like I I watched the trailer a couple of times when they first dropped it, so I, I've kind of processed it. But Marisha and David watched it literally right before we hit record tonight and yeah. I made them, I didn't let them talk about it. <laughs> so now I'm fixing to just let them open the floodgates. Cause I want to hear it. All right. Why don't you start David? I cringe so hard when they had the scene where she's in the cockpit of a spaceship taking off and she goes, hold on. I hated that. That sucks. <laughs> that is such a tropey thing to do. I hated it so much. Some positives. I think some of the aesthetic things are really cool. I yeah. think it's cool. Like that. Like some people were in like night armor. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, some That's of the cool. costumes looked cool. That, that yeah, some of the costumes looked cool. There's also like a little bit of like old westy vibes to part of it, where like like little house on the prairie looking people mm-hmm. on the, like running around. Like that was kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. Other than that, nothing about this trailer really. Like stood out to me. It was a long freaking trailer mm-hmm. yeah. uh, of just, and, and I think that this is what the Snyder Bros have done. That must have been the director's cut. Yeah, it's which yeah. Did you read he's gonna release a director's cut? Why I don't understand. Like, there, were, I saw that right before we started. It's like, oh, there's gonna be a director's cut. And I was like, why can't this just be the director's cut? Yeah, he's already been given free reign to do whatever he wants with this. Obviously, Zack Snyder. Why not just do that director's cut as the movie, though? I'm, it's so weird. Snyder Bros have inflated this man's ego. Now, look, I'll, we, we talk a lot of trash about Zack Snyder. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Apparently, he is the nicest man to ever walk the earth. Everybody who ever's worked with him talks about how freaking nice he is, how great of a guy he is, how caring he is about everybody he works with. Apparently, he's a really, really cool dude. I, mean, I, I like hate he's his got movies. Moves. I like 300. I mean, he's done a few things I like. I just feel like he's just basically aesthetically been making the same movie for like 20 years. He has. And I don't think he knows how to tell a good story. 
No, and, I think, and well, I'm going to give Marisha a chance to chime in before I, because I, like I said, I've processed this for a couple of days now, so. so I don't know, did he write this movie? Yes. Yeah, this is his, so okay. and what I want to talk about was, this was supposedly based on his pitch for a Star Wars film that Lucasfilm said no thanks to. Marisha, what were you I definitely to? buy that. It's like watching it, it's like, you know what it reminded me of more than anything else? Was Jupiter Ascending. Ooh, it's very Jupiter Ascending. It's very Jupiter Ascending. I, I didn't, didn't see that one. I didn't see Valerian, but it's very much gives me the same vibes as Valerian as well. It's like, we've created a giant, intricate space world, and we're going to give you way too much too many characters in the trailer that you're clearly supposed to be invested in. It looks overstimulating to me. It looks overstimulating and it looks like it's just, to, and and we're watching it and it's like part one, the part two. And I was like, of course, of course it's a two parter. I sort of feel like he took every fantasy and sci-fi, and sci-fi thing from like the last, like maybe 25 years mm-hmm. that's been popular and threw them in a blender, and this is what yeah. came out. I mean, it's a little bit steampunk. It's a little bit futuristic. It's a little bit retro. It's a right. little bit, you know, like... And look, I think I, it looks cool. I'm not going to lie. It looks cool. Uh, again, I'm expecting a full-blown overuse of slow-mo yeah. uh, because there's a ton of slow motion in that trailer. It's super CGI heavy. He's kind of got this thing going ever since he made 300 where everything looks like a graphic novel. There was the We Are Sparta kick. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lightsabers. Yeah. But what this tells me is that Zack Snyder never needs to go anywhere near Star Wars. Mm-hmm. If this is... I Now, he could have changed the story significantly, but I kind of doubt he did because, suppose, I mean, because supposedly this was his pitch. It's kind of an echo of like how Seth MacFarlane pitched a Star Trek and they didn't let him make it. Mm, and so yeah. he went and made the Orville. Right. And this was Zack Snyder pitched a Star Wars and Lucasfilm didn't want it. So now he's just going to make it his own thing. I mean, I think most of these elements must have already been there. And it's rated R. There's apparently sex scenes in it. I'm assuming there's going to be nudity in it. It's like, that's fine. Like that, there, there are people that watch that kind of movie, but I don't want it in my Star Wars. I think I'm so glad that that was a no from Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm's made some bad, you know, some bad decisions over the over the <laughs> years. I think they made a good one. Yeah. But yeah. And, and my main thing is not, like I said, he's a talented filmmaker. It's not my, it's not really my style. It's not my taste. I mean, clearly the dude's a talented filmmaker. He's also the kind of guy that when he makes something, he's going to put his stamp on it. It's going to be a Zack Snyder film. And I kind of want Star Wars to just keep being Star Wars. I don't want Star Wars to be because he he try. I'm afraid that he would take Star Wars and try to like recreate it in his own image. And so yeah. I'm glad uh, it worked out the way it did. I'm gonna watch it. I think it's gonna it, it'll at least be something you know interesting to watch. I don't know if it'll be good or not, but I'll watch it. I might throw it on one day. I already I pay um, for Netflix, so you know it's there. I'll yeah, watch it. I might. You know what? I don't want this man to touch. And we we went we had a little back and forth on Twitter today about it, Andrew. Apparently, he wants to direct a Gears of War movie. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you post that. And um, Gears of War 
is one of my favorite game franchises of all time. For those who don't know, it's a video game that's set. It's a sci-fi set of this alternate world where these monsters. This is a very simplified version of the story. It's really more complex than this. Monsters come from the ground, and it is a world at war. Most of the population's been wiped out. They've been at war for years. It's very, very violent, very brutal, very stylized. It's big buff dudes and big heavy armor fighting monsters. It is really awesome. The games, it for, uh, at first glance, it looks like just a war game. But when you actually play it, it is a really, really, really well-written story. I'd say some of the best campaigns in gaming history. Yeah. You ever played Gears of War? Andrew? Yes, I played the. I've, I'd never played past the first two, but I loved both games. Yeah, the first. I mean, those are the two best ones, and I think three is really good as well. It's actually really good storytelling, I think, and really good characters. And there is a very clear message, and the message is that war is bad. This is bad. Every time the characters do war stuff. There is, a, there is an underlying subtext of this is a bad thing that is happening. It is, it is, it is well-written, it is very clear. Look, it is, it is action slock. Like, it is a big explosion, boom-boom movie, okay? Like, a video game, stuff happens, and it would make a really awesome movie like that. But I don't think Zack Snyder would get that message. I think it'd be like Watchmen. He made a really, really good-looking Watchmen movie. I don't think he understands Watchmen at all. I think he thinks that like Rorschach is cool. Hmm. And that's not the point of watch. You're not supposed to think Rorschach is a great guy. Right. You're not supposed to think Night Owl and Silk Spectre are like cool superheroes. Right. That's not the point. You're not supposed to think that the comedian is awesome. You're supposed <laughs> to think the comedian is a psychopath jackass who needs to die. That is what you're supposed to think. And I don't think Zack Snyder thinks that at all. I think he thinks that Watchmen is just a cool superhero story, so he made a really cool, made a really, really good-looking adaptation of Watchmen. And he would do the same thing with Gears of War, but tonally, I think he would ruin it. Don't let that man direct a Gears of War thing, because a, a Gears of War movie has been in the works for over a decade. Currently, Netflix owns the rights to Gears of War, and obviously he just made Rebel Moon with Netflix. So, it actually isn't, uh, it isn't unlikely that Zack Snyder could make a Gears of War movie. No, I mean, if, if Rebel Moon does well, he may very well be making Gears. And uh, that would suck, because I've been looking forward to a Gears movie for a long time. And I mean, I would watch it, and it would probably be a good adaptation of the visuals of the game. And maybe even the story, if he just sticks to the story. But I, I don't trust him not to put his own spin on it, and not be like, oh man, what if, like, blah, blah, blah... I, what what if actually the locusts were uh, aliens from from another planet and they came in? Like that's not like I can just see him doing something stupid like that. I don't want him to do that, or just making up whole new characters. I don't want new characters. I want the story to be about Marcus and Dom and Baird and Cole, Carmine. Like I don't I don't need. And that's actually been a fear I've had of just every time they talk about making a Gears of War movie in general is them like. Being like, let's just set it in that world, but do whole new story, whole new characters. No. Just adapt the video games. That's what I want to see. Anyway, tangent over. <laughs> Any more thoughts on Rebel Moon? I don't think so. I think I said everything. I mean, it's hard to tell anything about the story from that trailer. And look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be good. And maybe this is where he belongs and is, is doing something that's fully his. Yeah. 
and he can satisfy the Snyder bros. Yeah, uh, so, I think the I, I mean I think that's the thing is like I don't know who would hire him right. I mean then that would be the danger with Gears. Netflix would be taking a risk because unfortunately it's not his fault. And I don't want to sound like I'm blaming Zack Snyder for this. It's specifically the Snyder Bros' fault that he's kind of like I think studios that are making big adaptations now be a little leery of him. Yeah. They don't want a Snyder Cut 2.0 situation. Right. right. I mean, this this whole Snyder Cut debacle, do you, I mean, I think that hurt him. Which is ironic because... Really? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think... Well, I mean, I think that's why DC's... I don't think... I mean, I don't think DC would ever work with him again. And I think that's no. why they're so determined to just be like, okay, Snyderverse, done. Like, we gave you your movie. We gave you your director's cut. See ya. So... Speaking of pitches to big studios to make a sci-fi thing that then got turned into its own thing, we're going to talk about the Orville. So where are we at on our time, Andrew? So we're at 50 minutes. So here's what I think we should do is a kind of a general overview of the rest of the Orville. We talked about season one briefly. We can kind of do an overview of, of season two and three, give your general mm-hmm. thoughts on it, and then maybe next week... Um, if we if we want to pick some specific episodes to come back and talk about some or some art, and we can just do a whole episode, forget the news, we'll just come in and do the Orville. Well, I just went on a big long rant about Gears of War. <laughs> uh, so, and I know the series sort of talk, started with like the idea was that oh, David watched the Orville for the first time, but uh, I'll let you guys go first talking about Orville season two and three. Do you think? They are improvements over the first season. So I think in like maybe in ways, I think the first season is an ab- absolutely tremendous episode of science or season of science fiction. Season two kind of started off on a little different note because part of the way into season two, we lost one of my favorite characters and uh, um, being like, the uh, head of security. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Um, so, you know, we lose what's her name? Alara. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Alara. So we we lose we lose Alara, who was a great character, and it took me a little while to warm up to the replacement. Me too, because I, the replacement is it's it's so weird, and I don't know. I I try to look it up. I don't know if like Alara quit or she was fired or what, because they replaced her character with just another female of the same race. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. But then she does slowly become her own character, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit different. She still didn't have nearly as much to work with, I think, as Alara. But that was that was definitely the most jarring. That was a pretty jarring part of of the show for me. It was like, wait, so you replace her, but it's just a nut. So so somebody quit or somebody was fired or something. Yeah, kind of so that was the thing. It. Is I don't really know. I don't know what happened there. It was an it was an odd thing. Um, at least they had time to write the character off, which makes me think that it was probably at least a a mutual parting of ways. Mm-hmm. That otherwise they would have just offed her between seasons, you know. So it's I kind I kind of feel like it was planned. I just nobody, from what I can tell, nobody ever talked publicly about it. Yeah, it's strange. So that was a little bit strange, but that was a bit of a bump. But then overall, I th- I do think season two was was very good. Yeah, I do too. I feel like season two probably wasn't quite as good as season one in some ways. 
But I feel like I feel like the the visuals for the show, and I, I think they probably got a bigger budget each season, but I feel like there was a lot of stuff with the visuals that kept improving through the entire run of the show. Yeah. Every season it was a visual upgrade and, and that was nice. And I think each season has higher highs than the last. Yeah. Um the first season is probably still my favorite season. But so, the, the highs of season two and three are, st- are probably the best episodes. Yeah, so I think that season one, season one had more comedy in it. It definitely did. And I feel like at some point, Seth MacFarlane sort of was taking it as a personal challenge to try to like one up Star Trek. And so I felt like he got more and more serious with it. But so they, they got more and more serious. Like season three, there's not a lot of comedy in it. No, not at all. But the big arcs are so good. I didn't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the big arcs. I think that's probably the best way to do an overview of the seasons. Okay. Because, um, and Marisha, feel free to jump in. I, I hate to dominate the conversation too much. No, no. Uh, the- but the two, bi- I think the two big arcs were the the, I, the uh, Isaac and... It's been a few months since I forgot the show, so if I forget some of the names of things, please help me out. What's the name of his race? Kalons. The, the Kalons. The Kalons, right. The Kalons and Boris and his child. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two big arcs that, that go throughout season two and three. That really ran. That kind of started well, season one, but really ramp up in two Well, and there's three. that one and then the arc where Captain Mercer finds out he has a child. Right, which be part of... And so then there's the, also the arc with the... Uh, what's the name of that race? Uh, the Klingon, not the the, uh, the no, not the Klingons. The um, they are the Klingons, uh, but in Star Trek, there's the Vulcans, and then there's the the what? The Romulans. The Romulans. The Romulans oh, yeah. of the Orville is what yeah. these people are. Yeah, yeah. and I can't remember the um, green people, the Skrulls. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's that, but then that ties in very Krill, nicely. The Krill. With all the Kalon stuff. Yes, Krill. The what? The the krill. The name of that race That's was it. the krill. krill. That's right, the krill, which ties in very nicely with all the Kalon stuff. Those are the three big ones, and they were definitely the highlights of the entire series for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially probably my favorite stuff is the stuff with Boris's child because it does something really really impressive that most media does not understand. You you can talk about complex things like trans uh trans rights transgender um different sexualities things like that children dealing with those things you can talk about those things but most media does not acknowledge that it is very complicated yeah Uh, lots of me most media when they do a story like this they want to say no it's simple it's what i think boom right and that's sort of the point they're trying to push is that it's very simple, straightforward. Right. The Orville does a great job of saying, no, this is very complicated. It does. And and I really appreciate that. It, it's very much traditional thinking man sci-fi. It's what old Star Trek yeah. used to do. And I even there were all the people that were screeching about how woke the Orville was. Uh, I tried talking about, I was doing something on it, maybe on YouTube by myself and mm-hmm. had people screeching about how woke it was. I was like... I don't know, man. Like, I think maybe you're just not getting it. Or maybe it is, but it's one of those things you can... But there's so often where it lets... So it it will let the character that shouldn't be the one to necessarily to have the, 
you know, what culturally wrong opinion mm-hmm. have the wrong opinion, right? Right. Like the 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 main person that has the issue with the whole thing with with Bordis's child is the husband. No, um, Kelly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like they really approached it, and maybe at the end of the day, you could say, "Oh, it's woke," but I, I don't think it is. I think it, it really was not about telling you which is wrong or right. I don't think they were interested in, and not that those the writers and, and actors. I, I you know I, I kind of have an idea of what side they come down on all that, but it's. I don't feel like they inserted that into the show. I feel like they were basically like, I feel like they were like, we're not going to change anybody's mind here. And we're not going to try to, we're just going to, we're just going to play out both sides and give you something to think about. Because I think that that's a huge problem in our current culture is that like what David was saying, my opinion is the only one that matters. Well, and if we're going to, we're not even willing to, we're not even willing to contemplate. Yeah. That someone else might be right. And if we're going to make a real-world correlation in our sci-fi, it's got to be so overt and obvious that we're going Mm -hmm. to be, you know, like, we just have to make it as blatant as possible. And I feel like, surprisingly, this one does, it's believable as an ethical problem in another world basically it's not exactly it doesn't correlate exactly to ethical issues in our own world mm-hmm. because it's different yeah no and it yeah, wasn't a little bit different a like they put a pretty good twist on it where it's like this isn't this isn't the reality we live in mm-hmm. but we can still like compare it to maybe even several things going on in our own culture yeah it's it's brilliant actually i think because it's like I have an idea of where these actors would fall, but to tell you the truth, I don't know for sure what Seth MacFarlane's opinions on transgender hundred percent are. Absolutely. And children specifically. I'm not sure. And that's good because I don't care because here's the thing. Celebrities opinions don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter any more than yours do just because they're celebrities. Mm -hmm. And I think he knows that. And he wrote this really complex thing where it's like, it's not a one-to-one of, things that are happening in the real world because it's complicated because it's like the child starts as a female and then is transitioned against its will to be a male and then later as a male it wants to become a female so then is it it's not an it's not an exact one-to-one of say a child in in the real world who is born a male and then as a child wants to become a female it's it's not an exact one-to-one at all so you have to really think about what's happening and what the implications are and who's right. And even in the show, the characters go back and forth over what they think is right. Mm -hmm. They think about like Captain Mercer, he goes back and forth over what is the right thing to do. He's not sure. And it had me flip flopping throughout the entire show. And it's just really well written in that way. And the Mm -hmm. most important thing is that it understands it's a complex issue. Yeah. And it left me thinking like, dang, I don't know what is right in this situation. Yeah. When it, uh-uh. and it answers, you know, it's, it's asking the questions of what's right and what's not and whose business it is. And, you know, it, it's asking a lot of questions. And you're right. I, you walk away from it and you go, well, I don't really know. And I think this, and again, like you said, I think this is the brilliance of a lot of the arcs is you kind of 
walk away from it going, I don't honestly know what the opinion of the person that wrote it is Mm -hmm. because they wrote both sides of the argument really well. And it doesn't have to be that way for sci-fi to be good. There's a lot of Star Trek episodes that I walked away from going, okay, so clearly the message was this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's great. That's, 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 that's perfectly okay to have. But in this, I got the feeling the message was not one thing or the other. The message was, Hey, this is complicated and we got to think about it. What do you think about it? That was the message that I was getting from all the storylines in the show. And I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I was thinking like, how am I going to talk about this on the show? Because I almost want like our listeners to walk away from this episode the same way I walked away from the episode of the Orville and go, I don't know what David's opinions are Mm -hmm. for sure. Ooh. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for sure. Because look, my opinion on any political does not matter in the slightest to to, to other people it shouldn't matter to you mm-hmm. yeah no and I mean, that's we don't that's you know, there's a reason we don't really do political opinion on the no. podcast like every once in a while there'll be somewhere well every once in a while you'll get a point where it's like okay it's kind of impossible to have this conversation and not kind of mm-hmm. give a little bit away about what i believe yeah. and we don't hide the fact like i don't hide the fact that i'm a christian mm-hmm. you know deduce from that what yeah. you want like we keep it real. We keep and if it you and if you want to have a political conversation, DM me. I'll have a political conversation with you. Our religious conversation, but I just don't do it here on the show because it's not yeah. what we're we're trying to do. No. Yeah. And we're just want to acknowledge that it's complicated. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there, and it, it no matter really, what side you're on, it yeah. brings up a couple of really the the storyline with Malloy and going Ooh, back time in time, travel? the time yes. travel episode. Oh my god. Oh my. That killed me. God. Like. That was so good. Yeah. That hurt me. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it's like, oh my God, they're just going to erase it. Like, mm-hmm. I guess it's the right thing to do, but God dang, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you know, Malloy's kind of this wild. character also that's like not been entirely happy. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's got a lot of things in his life hadn't worked out the way he wanted them to. Right. And like he has this thing and his best friend has to take it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's this got thing kids. Falls into his lap perfectly. This thing that like the impossible happened for him and his best friend has to take it away. And they bring up the point where it's like, oh, it's such a good scene where it's like, you are my friend, but you are a officer and right. you should be in the brig right now. What? Yeah. What the hell have you done? And he's like, I lived for months alone in the woods, mm-hmm. killing animals. Like, which is, which I like that they establish in the future. That's illegal because they have the replicator. So there's no reason to kill animals. Right. So it's like, that's a death sentence in our world. But I had to do that to survive here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it's, it's, it's really wow. That, that was a mind blowing yeah. episode. I, I came to love it. And I think this is always the mark of a good show is I just loved the characters more and more the further we went. Mm-hmm. Like Kelly became my, my favorite character, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She's up it's there. It's still such a shame that we never got Adrian Palicki, Wonder Woman. We were so close. And then, you know, one of them for me, like standout performances, because like you look at Star Trek, you when you think about androids and sci-fi, you automatically are going to go to Data. Mm-hmm. And Brent Spiner's performance there. And it's incredible where he took this character, this android, and kind of in a lot of ways made him the most human of all. Mm-hmm. 
And then you kind of go, man, I don't envy anybody because Isaac is different, but he's the same in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of going, I don't really envy anybody having to do a role that's going to compare directly to what Brent Spiner did with Data. Not to mention with no facial expressions. Right. With Yeah, without the benefit of, of face facial expressions. But uh, Mark Jackson's performance in that role is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. The love story. Yeah. It's one of the best written love stories in any TV show I've ever seen. I love it. Because they start off like really with the, like she, uh, Dr. Claire really has a disdain for, for Isaac and she comes to love him. And I love the fact that like one of the big reasons she comes to love him is because of the care that she, that he shows her children. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I, I think that when, okay, how often in a TV show do you get a full fledged like romance uh, plot line between and with, with an older character? Very rarely. Very rarely do they focus on the fact that like people who are older still have lives, and I loved that with this. Like it, it was, and it was a beautiful love story with ups and downs. It mm-hmm. became really complicated when you get to the whole K-Line, the K-Line uh, and Isaac betrayal thing later. Mm-hmm. And it kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I was rooting for them all the way through. Yeah. And I'm so happy that they ended up getting married. I, I really loved that. But yeah, his performance as Isaac is is absolutely incredible. And I'm so glad they 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 did the whole simulation thing to give him a, a chance mm-hmm. to uh, actually act with yeah. his face bit yeah and then there's that there's like that five seconds where he gets emotions yeah and right he like he shines he shows that he's not just a one note actor like he yeah no no that guy cool. i don't know what else he's done at this point but i fully expect to see him all over up, the place eventually but yeah the kalon storyline so. and not to mention that uh bachelor party with Portis <laughs> and the and the elvis impersonations <laughs> there are some yeah there are some yeah. absolutely hysterical moments in there. But what were you saying about the Kalon? Uh, the Kalon storyline ended up, I mean, obviously shined in season two um, mm-hmm. and, and three. Well, the and way it probably, ended, the way we, we closed out season two and then come into that insane space battle to open up season three. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I have a note here that was like they they did a Star Wars battle and a Star Trek show and they pulled it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that that whole thing. And and season three got that big upgrade where like they got the new shuttle, which I actually like the old shuttle uh, a little bit better. But and then and Isaac got a got a complete visual upgrade and they're just like, no, this is the way he was supposed to look the whole time. Just pretend he's been like this the whole time. Yeah, that's did, clearly what it was supposed to be. They pulled off so many different types of character arcs. Ensign Burke, Charlie Burke, and yeah. Winter's character, she's so unlikable. Yeah. And I mean, and she's supposed to be. Like, you know, she's mm-hmm. she's got issues. And then man, the ending they wrote for her just mm-hmm. like totally changes your whole perspective of the character. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced she's dead. But yeah, if she is still like you're right, like they wrote this character, it's like in the end she sacrificed herself for this thing she didn't really believe in, but she, she I, I, she believed in her captain, right, and she believed in her crew, and in the end she believed in Isaac, and that was enough, uh, for her to do the right thing, and and I really did, mm-hmm. uh, I love yeah I love that character arc. Uh, so I'll ask you a question 
that Chad Coleman asked the cro- the audience last year at Dragon Con. He is Clyden. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did uh, Clyden do enough to redeem himself? No. <laughs> I was actually about to bring that up. As much as I love the love story between Claire and Isaac, the Clyden uh, Bordas, what he said that he wished his child was dead. Yeah. He, he did not do enough at all. No, and I, I agree. But they did at least turn a corner with the they character. Did. I wish they would like, okay, he's back on the ship. But they're like they're they're separated, okay? Mm-hmm. Like Hooray he's comes back to the ship, and they're just like <laughs> they're they're back together doing the Elvis bachelor party the next day. Yeah, no, I don't know if I could ever forgive my partner, right? Uh, for the things Clyden did. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's just another that, and that's the point. That's what they're asking you. But it's complex because in that culture, I mean, they established divorce is not a thing. It's I mean, divorce is killing the other person. Mm-hmm. Right. So divorce is not a thing. So it, it's it's comp it's complicated. It's different, and mm-hmm. the people who were affected by it have effectively forgiven him. So maybe we should too. But no, Clyden did not do enough. But maybe the maybe they planned on exploring that more in up season four that we'll probably never get. Unfortunately, hmm. um, I'm so sad. Like, I know. Of all the Before- things that get picked up. To keep on keeping on. We have like eight seasons of Big Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That exists, but we can't get another season of the Orville. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it was really successful. It had had finally built the fan base up. I mean, it it always had a strong fan base, but I felt like that last season, it was, everybody was talking about it. Um, I think they got three or three or four of them at least coming to Dragon Con again this year and they will have a full panel. Um, that's exciting it's it's one of those things that i just kind of got the vibe from the actors that they firmly believed that something would happen eventually and i don't know what's holding it up because i want to see more bordis i just want to see more that is he's one of the best sci-fi characters he's one of my favorite sci-fi characters ever yeah bordis Um, was great i Uh, love look i love Worf. yeah bordis i he doesn't hold a candle to bordis like he's (laughs) one of the most God, his character arc he goes through as a father mm-hmm. and and all that stuff that that happens with his child mm-hmm. and the choices that he has to make and in the end like deciding that all that matters is that his child is happy and that I mean, it's it's wonderful stuff and this big really tough guy like he gets a lot of really vulnerable moments mm-hmm and the actor's amazing, and I I love him. I I really, I just want to see more him. I also want to see more. They set up. There's still so much story left to tell with with Mercer and his child now. And yeah, you know, I think the biggest problem with season two and three is that Mercer kind of took a backseat mm-hmm. for the most part. Because, and I actually respect this about Seth MacFarlane is he could have wrote he could have just every, made this the Seth MacFarlane show. Yeah, but he understood that by far the most interesting things happening were not really involving Mercer until the child was introduced. And that's a cool storyline. I felt it a little weird because, and maybe I have to rewatch the episodes of this in mind now, but in the episode where the Krill woman who became the Empress was impersonating Mercer's girlfriend, I got the implication that they hadn't slept together because yeah, I'd I think have at to one go, point, I'd have Ma- to go back and rewatch. Malloy is like, so have you guys done it? And he's like, Oh, stop. 
Like it's kind. Of, I, I, Maybe I don't he's know. just. But I think I think Ed's the kind of character that wouldn't necessarily talk about it. I don't think he's That's a kiss true. and tell That's type. True, but I sort of get because later they revealed. So I almost got the impression that it was like no, they didn't sleep together because she wouldn't want to do that with him. But so they kind of retcon, and I don't. It's not a retcon necessarily. It just didn't fit what I thought happened. But that's okay because it didn't directly go against anything that was already established. Still, it's 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 fine. Still, it adds a lot of complexity to things. Where it's like she must have had feelings for him actually because she didn't have to sleep with him to make that undercover thing work. Right. right. So for her to do that, it. And then now they have a child. Like, it's it's really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of complicated. Again, it's complex. It's complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so many good characters. And, and Seth MacFarlane, like, even going further, like, I, I really felt like, yeah, he took a backseat, maybe in season three, too much. Because he really was, like, you know, he's not done a ton of acting and he's kind of gotten a rap as not a very good actor but i think the show kind of disproved what he can do for sure he's great he was great in this role but i appreciate that he didn't make it the seth MacFarlane show to the extent of every time they had a character giving some sort of performance especially the singing Uh uh-huh he's an incredible singer Mm mm-hmm like, yeah. like absolutely amazing singer. And he never, he never sang on the show. And pretty much everybody else did. Yeah. Yeah. I, this show's giving me a lot of respect for Seth MacFarlane, uh, actually, in, a, in this, a funny way. This makes me want to see Seth, Mac, to see Seth MacFarlane do more. I don't need it to be dead serious, like throw in some comedy, but like more like real live action stuff because he just, has a really good understanding of character development and like TV shows. Yes, mm-hmm. I want to see some TV shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not, I don't know that. I don't know that he has any business directing a movie, but like, I want to see. But we need more good TV. Like, absolutely. and that's what did I want to see him do. And I, I, did he I mean, direct a million ways to die in the West? Cause that movie's off. I like the Ted ones. I actually really I like Ted. I understand that like it's like frat bro college humor. Yeah. But they came out at the perfect time for me to where now I, I think Ted's pretty funny sometimes. So Seth MacFarlane did direct A Million Ways to Die in the West. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it. So maybe. Um, so. And he's not always my brand. He's usually not my brand, which I know is a shock for everyone who knows <laughs> me. But. Yeah. The Orville man, I I never thought that I can't wait for the new season of the Seth MacFarlane show would be something that would ever come out of my mouth. But and the wild <laughs> thing is the number of people that that love things like Star Trek that will not watch this show because Seth MacFarlane made it. Yeah, it's a shame. It's yeah. a shame, bro. We're talking to you. We are a hundred percent talking to you, buddy. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I, I think that. Uh, I mean, we all loved it. And I, I think we're going to come back and do some like a really, you know, a deeper, uh, maybe even we'll get together and make a list and, and kind of mm-hmm. rewatch a few episodes before next, next week. Maybe we just pick an arc yeah. and, uh, and just a, dedicate a whole show to an arc next yeah. week. I have a whole nitpick. I just want to point out, okay. um, you know, you brought up the question, like did Clyden do enough to get forgiven? Right. You know who didn't do enough to get forgiven? The Kalon. I think it was freaking <laughs> hilarious that, Isaac accidentally invited the entire Kalon Armada to the wedding. <laughs> That's a hilarious joke. Everybody's way too cool about it. Yeah. 
when they show up. Like, just earlier in the season, they were, like, threatening to kill Isaac in his sleep because of right. his betrayal in season two. But now they're just all cool with partying with the Kalen at the wedding. That was a little weird, but it was a very funny joke still. Yeah. I think that's the sacrifice in a show like that. Sometimes for the joke, you, you got to sacrifice yeah. something serious. Yeah, it was it was it was very funny where he invited the entire that was good. That was really good. No, yeah, we'll have to do a deeper dive on on the Kalon arc because that's probably the best episode of the show, those two episodes where it first kicks off. Like the Kalon are gonna kill everything. And I think in the first time we talked about this show, I said you you guys said like, what do you guys think about I what do you think about Isaac? And I was like, uh, I'm kind of afraid that he's gonna go crazy and kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, you did. And y'all just went silent. So uh, that's funny <laughs> that it turns out. Yeah, no, the Kalons did try to kill everybody, but in mm-hmm. the end, really great character development. Isaac doesn't go through with it, and he saves the, the world. Uh, yeah, and I love Isaac so much. I love every character. Mm-hmm. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. I'll, I know we need to do deeper dive. One more thing. I wanted. I really want to say this show did something really, really impressive, which it made me like sympathize and like a woman who cheated on her husband or a person who cheated on their spouse. I guess I'd say it is very rare in media where I'm like, oh, that person cheated on their spouse. Oh, yeah, no, they're really cool character, though. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. because... It is hard to sympathize with that. Absolutely, but it's a, again, with the whole complicated thing. And typically, I am, you know, a lot of storylines are like, oh, you know, but it was, lo-, you know, I don't typically like the storylines that are like, well, you know, it's complicated and we're adults, you know, because typically it's like, yeah, and you're an asshole because... Yeah. You know, yeah. but it was it was one of those things where it was like sometimes people make really bad decisions that they regret, and it's complicated. <laughs> and, and she's not a bad person for it. And, yeah, even though she did this really bad thing. Yeah, and she turns out to be like a really great person, and they have probably the coolest friendship. Like their mm-hmm. friendship, her, her and Mercer's friendship throughout the show is really really fun to watch. And how it's cool to watch how well they work as a team and, mm-hmm. and it adds a lot of complexity. You know, I never thought I'd say that Shonda Rhimes needs to take writing advice from Seth MacFarlane, but uh, <laughs> Shonda Rhimes, creator of Grey's Anatomy, uh, by the way. Yeah, and Bridgerton. Because this is a better example of most. Oh, yeah, and Bridgerton. Yes, and Sha- Shon- the Shondaverse. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I love I love Kelly so much. Uh, she's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's great. It's probably like her, Isaac, and Bordas are up there. It's like those are the three best characters, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, we could keep going forever, so I can uh, I'll wrap us up here so that um, we can uh, come back to this uh, next week or within a couple weeks, hopefully, uh, a couple episodes because it's been a few episodes since we said we were going to talk about this. Originally. It's, it's true, but it, it's, we'll see what it's, happens. It's near the top of the list right now. Just. You know, see how everybody's yeah. schedule works out. Uh, and see what news drops and stuff that That's we need true. to talk about. But, um, yeah, I'll wrap us up. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Marisha, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram. I'm princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I'm P Padawans on Twitter. And Andrew? All right. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show, Sai underscore at Sai underscore Fictionary on Twitter. You can drop us a line at the science fictionary at gmail.com. Or you can check out 
our Star Wars podcast, Coruscant Radio Underground, that hopefully is getting back to a weekly a, a weekly release. It's actually going to get two this week. We did a, an Ahsoka preview, if you hadn't started the show yet, and then tonight on YouTube, before we recorded this, uh, as of August 24th, we have our review of the first two episodes of Ahsoka up on the YouTube channel, and then sometime... Uh, this by sometime this weekend, I'll be reposting the audio from that show on the audio podcast. So, I uh, got that all back up and running. And as always, be sure to check out uh, the Red Five Network. So, check out at Red Five Network on Twitter for all of the Red Five podcast family. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, I am David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. Guys, don't forget to leave us a like, a subscribe, a review, a comment, a rating, whatever it is you can do on your preferred podcast platform. It really helps out the show. One more thing about the Orville I wanted to mention, and it turns out it's actually a really great sign-off quote. One of my favorite quotes now that I've heard from any sci-fi show ever. And it's this, it's by Claire when talking about uh, the uh, Bordas' child and all, all of that arc and stuff. Be open-minded, but not so open-minded that your brain falls out.